We are Chris and Beth Bruno, and this is the Walking With Podcast. We lead a team of brave and brilliant story work counselors and coaches around the country, all committed to helping you come alive. Join us as we explore the sacred landscape of the human heart at the intersection of theology, psychology, and ministry. This month, we've been in a series on relationships with those who are not always in the mainstream. We've talked about mental illness, sexual abuse, and transracial adoption. And today, we're joined by one of our Colorado therapists, CJ Rittner. CJ relocated from Seattle during this crazy pandemic season, and yet is already connecting with ministries and organizations in the area who work with youth. That is his specialty, teens, youth, adolescents, and men. And you can learn more about CJ over at restorationcounselingnoco.com forward slash CJ dash Rittner. And of course, anything else you need to know about us on the same site or visit our digital laboratory site at RestoryLabs.com, the space to come alive via courses, memberships, webinars, and more. Here's our conversation with CJ. CJ, welcome to the podcast today. We're so glad to have you. Hi, thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Let's, let's jump in and would love for you to share with our listeners what draws you to the work of restoration. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think, I think it's just kind of been always a part of me. Um, and by that, I mean, I think it's just part of, I'm drawn to it because of my, my story. Um, I see God at work in restoring my life, um, and in bringing goodness out of what, what is already a lot of goodness in my life, but, um, into the places that were, didn't feel good or didn't, didn't look um, the way that I thought they should look, uh, the way that I thought Jesus wanted them to look. And, uh, and so in many ways, restoration means like for me, a, a place of hope, right? Where I can look at my, uh, the places that, that feel like I don't want to go there and have hope that someone else has already gone there. Um, and that I get to just, run into it with him. So um, if I can do that with others, that's like a great thing. Mm-hmm. I love that. Run into it with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you work a lot with teenagers, adolescents. Um, what does it look like to run into a story with a teenager? Mm. Yeah, I love that question. Um, you know, I've, I've had this kind of uh, an image that I've been using. I don't know if it's an image as much as a metaphor, Um, but there's this idea that um, every teen is kind of on a mountaintop. Uh, And I'm a skier, actually a snowboarder. Um, I used to ski when I was a teenager. And um, I like to think of 
the teenage journey as like a being on a mountain. Uh, and they are, they've been equipped with skis, with backpack, with everything they need to go down the mountain, um, except they've never gone down the mountain before. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so they need someone else to, to be there with them um, and to teach them how. Um, and it's going to look like a lot of falls, a lot of bruising. It's going to be frightening at times, um, but they're going to get down the mountain. And so, um, for me, it, it looks like I get to be their guide. You know, I get to be someone that's been down the mountain before uh, a couple times and get to do it again with them. Um, and... So that's kind of that's kind of how I see like running, running into the uh, the journey with them of restoration. Yeah, CJ, that that is so important. Even that metaphor, that image of snowboarding down, because like you said, there are bruises, there are falls, uh, there are mistakes, there's fear, uh, there's pride. Like I can do this on my own, like all the things in that we see in teens. Um, and <laughs> that, that can be so unnerving for a parent to, to say, Hey, I, maybe I've not even gone down the mountain as much myself, but, <clears throat> but just to come alongside of someone else, I don't have the patience to teach. I don't, I, I see their falls and I get discouraged. Uh, I see the choices that they're making uh, and I'm, I get alarmed. Right. And, and even now in the midst of this COVID world that we're living in, uh, and teens are facing a mountain that parents, none of us have ever been down before. Right. So how would you like, could you talk about the challenges that, that you're seeing teenagers are facing now? Uh, and what does it look like for you now mm-hmm. to be going down that mountain with them of a uncharted, you know, territory? Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So to, maybe to continue the metaphor, <laughs> you know, if before it was a sunny, clear skies, now it's a blizzard, right? Like, mm. and instead of the mountain being, you know, maybe a normal, like blue, blue, black, uh, like winter park look, it's, you know, we're in Alaska in the wilderness and it's a cliff, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, or the world is on fire and the sky is red. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep. And, and so I think, I think the biggest thing is maybe it means we take the skis off and getting down the mountain looks a lot slower, right? It looks like we're, um, we're hiking down the mountain rather than, uh, you know, pushing it into fifth gear and, and flooring it down the mountain. Um, because I think the biggest thing that, you know, what I'm seeing from the teenagers that I, I, have as clientele or that I get to work with um, just in, in other areas, arenas of my life um, is this feeling of disconnection and of, of the unknown, right? That like these two things are the two biggest um, obstacles that they're facing. Um, Right. I, I had a client just last week. He said that like, he said this heartbreaking phrase that everybody has their rooms uh, everybody has their four walls and everybody has a closed door. Um, and it's just this reality of like, I have my Xbox, my parents have their TV, my sister has her phone and we're all just in our rooms. Um, and, and so you get just this sense of 
disconnection, right, of disjointedness. Um, and what does this lead to? It creates anxiety, depression. Um, we're seeing huge rates of suicidal ideation um, from what was already, right, the second leading cause of death in the United States for teenagers is suicide. Um, that's just spiking. And it's because people feel so disconnected, so alone. And so I think part of being a parent is, can we take off our own skis, right? Can we get on their level? Um, can we face the unknown with them? Um, and, you know, what, what they might be carrying is uh, like a, the, what they feel as just the weight of society. Like, can we take some of that weight on ourselves? Can we take some of the stuff out of their backpack and, and load it into ours? Um, and that, that's like way easier said than done. <laughs> For sure. Um, especially when parents themselves are facing a world that they've never been through either. And mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, it's just really hard. This is just really hard. Mm -hmm. You said originally disconnection and what, there was one other thing you named as really the two biggest issues. What was that one? Um, disconnection and uh, the unknown. Like, uh, so I, I see that teens thrive on structure, right? They say they don't. Right. <laughs> they say that like they're, they, they thrive on being spontaneous and just doing their own thing, but that it's not true. <laughs> yeah. like when you look at a teen's life, they have structure. Um, and it's implemented into their life for a reason, right? Like being able to count on going to school, being able to count on going to practice, uh, you know, being able to count on joining extracurricular activities, clubs, things like this. These are all forms of structure, um, you know, youth group, uh, church, whatever it might be that um, hold containment for a teenager in a world that is a lot of questions, right? Because um, they're still developing. Um, they're still figuring out what is safe for me and what isn't, who is safe and who isn't. Um, and so in a world like this, in which there's way more questions than answers, that's where we start to see the, the anxiety build, the... Um, the sense of disconnectedness, the disjointedness, the unknown really becomes far more fearful. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see that. So at work in our own teenagers' lives, um, here we are in the middle of the fall, and I know a lot of school districts are, are about to shift. They're either about mm -hmm. to go back home or they're about to try some sort of hybrid in-person model. And I feel like we had just settled in to mm -hmm. some sort of routine. It wasn't a preferential routine. Nobody wanted mm -hmm. to be fully at home, but we at least settled into it. That yep. structure existed, a sense of, I know what today holds. Yep. And now as we transition back, there's all the question marks again. And, and not only the lack of structure, because what, what is that all going to feel like? But mm -hmm. the c disconnection that will exist in that structure because of all of the measures that have to be in yes. place. And so they're going from the four walls of loneliness mm -hmm. at home to six feet apart, no interaction in the hallways, face one way in the lunchroom, lack of connection. Aren't you curious about what that's going to really look like for our teen psychological state? 
Yes. Yeah. It's, it's really scary. I mean, um, yeah, it's just exchanging four walls for another four walls. You know, you get this sense of they have, they need their friends, right? They need, they need connection outside of mom, dad, sister, brother, grandma, grandpa. Um, and they need to be able to like run up to a friend in the hallway and just embrace, right? Like I've missed you. <laughs> um, I've missed being able to share everything in, in these hallways, right? Like I think back to my high school days in the hallways of school, that's where things happened. <laughs> that's where the um, life was standing at your yeah, locker, hanging out. Totally. And yeah, you know, disconnected, mm-hmm. destroying it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we've talked here about at restoration and we've, we've all seen that Ted talk where um, they're talking about the, the key reason that leads into addiction is mm-hmm. disconnection mm-hmm. and how that is the root of so many problems. I mean, you just named a, a list of the kinds of problems mm-hmm. that come out of disconnection. Um, and so it makes me wonder, we're talking about teens as adults, um, but what is that like for us as adults? What's our mm-hmm. own level of disconnection right now? Mm-hmm. What are we doing to just self-soothe and medicate mm-hmm. ourselves in that disconnection? And how do we need to pull ourselves out of that to show yeah. up? for the younger folks in our lives. Yeah. It feels like a call to all of us. There's this sense of we have we almost have more FaceTime, right? And FaceTime is kind of a it's kind of a fun word to use because of <laughs> it's multiple just the pun of it. But the there's more face and there's less soul, right? There's like more ability to see mom and dad in the house cuz everybody's home kind of. Um but there's almost less connection with with a more with more FaceTime is coming less connection. Like it doesn't make much sense. Um, and I think that just adds into the pot of confusion, right? Like, how is it that I'm seeing my parents more and yet I feel more disconnected than ever? We're tuning in, right? As you said, like we're tuning out to tune in somewhere else um, because we're medicating. And, you know, as I'm listening to the conversation here, um, like there is a, there are the dark skies, there mm-hmm. are the cloudy skies, right? Yep. And we do have to take our our skis off and begin to walk down, walk down the mountain in a different way. And I think Beth, what you're talking about is really a call to parents and other adults to to take their skis off and come back to some soulful connection. Um, mm-hmm. And at the same time, like I am, I'm not trying to be like silver lining here, but teens are incredibly resilient people. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. They're incredibly mm-hmm. brilliant people too. And the ways that I've seen the teens that I know engage and be present to themselves and jump into hobbies or find, find ways to pull that parent out of that, that TV show or, mm-hmm. you know, gather with a few close friends and still have connection. Like I'm, I'm just stunned often with the resiliency of teens. And I think. Mm-hmm. If we walk well down the mountain now with the teens, we will actually, I think, I think there's, you know, just 
some pessimistic thoughts that this generation will not get the education that they need, that this generation, because of the school situation, that this generation will not, uh, you know, end up in, in whatever good place that they could have if we had not had this, you know, COVID pandemic. Yep. I look at it as if we actually engage and if we actually as adults take our skis off and walk down the mountain, Mm-hmm. We will actually grow a generation that knows how to face adversity, mm-hmm. knows how to emerge from places of challenge, knows how yeah. to navigate the the disconnection and find connection again. Like mm-hmm. I think there's so much potential here for teens mm-hmm. uh, and our, our young people that, uh, but only if we as adults yeah. take our boots off. Love That's that. really interesting. It just made me think of just about the boomer generation and mm. post World War II and the, what they went through and what that, how that crafted an entire generation to build our country. Um, yep. But we also see a lot of anemia in their yep. ability to emotionally connect. Yep. And was that the lack of the parents mm-hmm. walking down mm-hmm. the mountain with them and attuning to them and engaging with them? And so, we see great, great things come from walking through adversity for a generation, but then mm-hmm. a huge lack. You know, to speak also to the resiliency of our teens, the brilliancy of them, right? They are, I think, the world's best mind readers, right? Like, mm-hmm. we, I don't think we give them enough credit for how well they read people. Um, you know, they, they know when you are being when you're tuned in and when you're not. Um, they already have enough people in their lives that sacrifice authenticity for the illusion of intimacy. Um, and so how can we not do that? <laughs> how can we be authentic with them? Um, not for the sake of an illusion of intimacy, but for the sake of actually tuning into the world. Because they, they know. Um, they know if we're doing that or not. And it's a challenge, right? Like it's a challenge that we need to step into and we, we get to step into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, good. That's just great words, CJ. Mm. Thank you. Um, I want to conclude with, with one total departure from, from the seriousness of what we've been talking about and ask you during these months of doing most, I'm assuming hundred percent virtual counseling on zoom, mm-hmm. what is, some crazy or funny situation that has happened with you on a zoom call. I think the craziest thing that's happened is having a client that refused to turn off his camera cause he was, he was driving. Right. So this, this happens a lot, not a lot, but uh, enough. With the, enough where it's like, you need to hang up and find a parking spot. <laughs> um, that's like kind of the only crazy thing I can think of. Um, is is all the times in a car and it's like wow i didn't realize counseling could be done out of a out of a car so often (laughs) yes Um, unnerving well thanks for sharing that thanks for being with us today on the podcast